0: Hello and welcome back to the stories that brought you here. It's the podcast dedicated to the stories of the people from Pender Island, British Columbia. Once again, I'm your host, Chris Walkaluck, and I'll be sitting down in one-on-one hour-longish conversations with current Pender Island residents to hear the stories that brought them to this creative little island we live on, and to also hear the stories that brought them to the point that they're at in their lives right now. Today, I will be speaking with Lauren Mann. Now, if you know Lauren like I know Lauren, then you're going to know her as that musician that moved to the island a few years ago, and you've seen playing in various capacities and venues and circumstances through the island over the years. Well, we're going to get to hear Lauren talk about that, along with a heck of a lot more about music. It's going to be great. Lauren's going to go in-depth into talking about how she first became involved in music when she was younger, and then eventually made the transition From being an amateur to a professional musician. She'll give an in-depth look as to what touring through North America was like for her for a number of years with her band. She'll talk about her work on the island with Ptarmigan Arts. And she'll also describe what it was like to pet a baby alligator. Yeah, I know, weird. All that and more in a pretty amazing interview that I got to do with Lauren. And so happy she said yes to doing this. And I think Lauren's just great. She's one of my favorite people to talk to on the island. And I think that you will really get a lot out of hearing Lauren describe in detail a bit of what her life was like before she moved here and what it's been like since she's moved here. So have a good time listening to this one. We'll see you guys on the other side. And without further ado, here's my interview with the Lauren Mann. (laughs) To start?
1: Yeah, let's do this.
0: All right. Welcome to the <laughs> podcast, Lauren. Thank you. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. I'm super happy that you're here. <laughs> we just had a good hour long chat with Geneva upstairs.
1: Yeah, that was really nice. It was. Yeah. Can good we... catch up and yeah, delving into some good topics already, like pre podcast topics. So yeah, it's fun.
0: Unfortunately, people will not be able to hear that. But Mm -hmm. anyway, we're here. I always like to mention what the weather is like and when Mm -hmm. we're at for some reason. But it was a gorgeous late October day today.
1: Yeah. So beautiful. When I was driving here, the sky was like fiery red and then glowing on the water. I just got little peaks of it as I was driving. And then I could see like a sliver of a moon. It's like, oh, my goodness. I would like to stop and take a picture. But I'm like need to drive to Chris's house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. That'll happen again tomorrow. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Gorgeous.
0: Gorgeous pender day today. Uh, Right on. You have a pretty good day today so far.
1: Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. I was working today at Tarmigan and uh, it was a productive day. And then I went home, ate some chips and came here. Hmm. So not bad. <laughs>
0: Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to get into the ptarmigan stuff uh, later on, which I'm really excited to talk about because I think there's a lot to talk about that. But before we mm-hmm. get to that, the traditional first question, of course, is what brought you to Pender Island?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, well, I guess I came to Pender for the first time. I think it was in 2013. I guess, okay, I'll backtrack from there. Before that, earlier that year, I was playing a, a show in Calgary at, uh, the Ship and Anchor. It's a pub kind of south of downtown Calgary and, uh, playing with my bands and, you know, it's a full house and this random guy kind of came to the show and started talking to us and, and he was in town on business. And he's, he's like, Oh, you guys are great. Like he really liked the music and he's like, you guys need to come to Pender. Like, where is Pender Island? Like, I've never heard of this place. And so he proceeded to tell us like, it's so musical and you should, you know, come out. My daughter plays music and you know, you could do a show together and like, okay, like that sounds awesome, but like, cool. And you know, sometimes those conversations happen and they don't go anywhere and nothing happens. But, um, that was Bob Cooper and his daughter Shanda. And so we ended up connecting with Shanda on Facebook and she we worked a show into our next tour. And so came out here in the fall and played at the hall with her and Danny. And uh it was lovely. And I remember I must have been sleeping, I think, in the van on the ferry. And I remember pulling into Pender and we were staying in one of the cabins at Hope at Camp. And Shanda was there and she met us and she just had this, her arms open and she's like, welcome to Pender. And I'm like stumbling out of the van. I'm just like, so groggy. I'm like, where am I? Like, this is beautiful. I just take a deep breath and she gives me this big hug. And I didn't even know her. This was my first time meeting her. And I'm like, there is something about this place. Like I feel instantly relaxed. (laughs) So it was, yeah, a magical first meeting good first impression. And then we played the show, had a lovely time, got to meet a few people in the community. And I remember thinking, and at this point I had been on the road for years and every place I would go, I would kind of think, could I live here? Like, is this somewhere I could see myself settling down? And some places um, there were certain things that I was like, yeah, I could make this work. And other places were like, absolutely not. So it was kind of always in the back of my mind. And I remember thinking at the show or just on that trip, everyone here could be my best friend. And it was just this, I, that thought had never popped into my head before, but it was kind of random. But I, I think it was just the level of community and familiarity that even though I didn't really know anyone, there's just this welcoming atmosphere that just made me feel like part of a family, I guess, and part of something really cool. And so from the, from that point, we kept coming back to play shows or just spend some time, some days off, um, in the middle of a tour. And then we ended up, um, recording a DVD out here, um, filming a couple songs live in different locations around the Island. And, and it was on that trip that I was like, I think I want to settle down here. Like, I think I need to live here. But then I'm like, how could I ever live on a Gulf Island? Like, that's crazy. But it just kind of was very like cemented into me that this was home. And then, yeah, less than a year later, I ended up moving from Calgary. So it was a bit of a process, but it just like really captured me in a way no other place has. But I think it was equal parts of the place, but also the people here that really kind of drew me in.
0: Nice. I, yeah. I love the randomness of the uh, interaction with Bob Cooper. Yeah, you know, totally. <laughs> place in Calgary and talking about, you gotta, you gotta talk to my daughter. Yeah. Run.
1: Yeah. It was great. He just wanted to check out some live music while he was in town on business and came to the pub and just started chatting and that's just what he does and it's great and so i'm here because of him wow
0: okay <laughs> i didn't actually know that this is totally yeah. news to me yeah so it took a little while for you to uh, wind up moving here it took about uh, a year you said more or less
1: yeah well from my first time being here uh that i think that was in 2013 i moved in 2015 okay yeah so yeah just under two years i guess
0: okay and yeah. so it was it's kind of a big deal to move anywhere mm. new, right? And so, how was the first uh, first year or two of the transition into moving to Pender?
1: It was uh, really good, I think, uh, because I had been on the road so much and just around so much change constantly. So the changes from from living in Calgary and then living on a small island on the west coast, I didn't really notice the changes so much because I was ready for it and just happy to have roots down somewhere and just to feel a bit more settled and have a place, like a physical home. Um, so it was so much relief and then just getting plugged into the community was like really cool. And I hadn't had that like stable sense of community for a long time. And I do remember thinking like, uh, just kind of building some relationships and getting, you know, forging some deeper friendships and realizing, oh yeah, it takes work to, uh, to foster these relationships. Um, instead of just hanging out with people one night and then in a different city the next night, you know, when you see the same people over and over again, it takes a lot of intentionality and just commitment to each other to really build that and go deeper and, and have really like long lasting, strong friendships. Um, so that kind of <clears throat> really struck me of just realizing, Oh yeah, this takes work. Like it's not always easy to be in a small community with people, but it's so rewarding. And, Such a beautiful thing to have those friendships and to develop that, and to have people that you can be really vulnerable with um, and share in each other's like joys and sorrows, and just like encourage each other in creative pursuits and celebrate each other. And all of that stuff is like so rewarding um, and so worth the effort that it takes to like maintain that and develop that. So that was one of the biggest things I noticed. But all of the like physical changes of just like the different landscape and the different weather. I remember it took me a long time to realize how to dress because <laughs> I was so used to like, especially in the winters, like just used to Alberta winters where it's so cold, but it's a dry cold. So it's a, just a really different feel and you just like put on a parka and you're good to go. But here there's this like, it's not that cold, but it's damp. So it feels really cold. <laughs> and then, you know, I remember going for a hike, hiking up to Row Lake with some friends, And I had my big wooly sweater on and like another sweater underneath and probably a long sleeve shirt. I'm like, it's so cold. I'm like bundled up. And then I started taking that like really steep part up to the lake and I'm just like sweating because it's not really that cold. It's just the damp air feels kind of bone chilling. So I'm just like shedding layers, like, how do I do this? <laughs> so it's kind of a, a funny thing. But I that, t- you know, took some adjustment to realize like how to dress in like damp West Coast weather and <laughs> how to layer up and but all good things like it, it was such a positive transition. But yeah, the first two years were um I don't even remember like a blur, but it's such a good way of just like I don't know. I just feel like I've always belonged here, I guess.
0: Nice. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful and articulate description that you gave about the difference between just being in a community and what it takes to forge and move forward relationships and what's involved in that versus right. just having fleeting interactions. And I, I relate it to when I was doing a lot of traveling with my wife. And so it's really fun and exciting and adventurous to have all these new experiences taking place over and over again. But we were as well, too, really wondering, wow, how good would that feel to be around the same people all the time? But it comes with its challenges.
1: Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, I remember just feeling a bit of that fragmented community. Where you see different people every night, and and it's really cool to see that, and to kind of get to, um, especially you know being in places that are outside of your comfort zone or outside your norm, like when you're traveling or you know playing in clubs and you're up till three in the morning, you interact with people that you would never interact with in your normal life, so you do get that element of just being exposed to just humanity. At some of it's like <laughs> very uh, like raw moments. So that was a really unique thing about it. And I really loved that. And sometimes I miss having that in my life, but it is fragmented. And, and I remember just thinking like, I just, yeah, want stability and just to feel more grounded, um, because it was very, uh, just constantly on the go. So you don't get that kind of continuous, you know, people who are walking with you through all of life's journeys. And that's a pretty neat thing to have. Um, and not many communities have that, you know, even people living in the, in the suburbs or in cities. Um, I think it's pretty rare to find a community like Pender where people really look out for each other and, and are really intentional with, with their relationships. So it's, it's taught me a lot. Yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, let's just take a a step out of Pender and uh, Mm -hmm. back into the past for a little bit, because you did mention (laughs) about touring and staying up till 3am in the morning, Lauren. (laughs) My goodness, repeatedly? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, and so maybe if you could just lay out for us a little bit about uh, your musical career that you have and experiences you've had in the past and... Maybe we could start with the beginning of that mm-hmm. and that, uh, how you transitioned from playing music, I guess, maybe as an amateur to becoming, let's say, professional. Yeah. Professional musician. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> I right. I don't know.
1: Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone ever a professional musician?
0: <laughs> I, I guess so. It sounds good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. It's kind of digging back into the archives. Um, I, yeah, started, I mean, I grew up like playing, taking piano lessons and playing classical piano and got to a point, I think I got up to like grade eight, uh, like in my training, but then I got so tired of it and I started to hate it. <laughs> I think just cause playing other people's songs and there wasn't room for my own creativity. And so I, I remember, I think I was about 14 and I quit piano. I'm like, I'm done. I'm, you know, this is stupid. I'm, you know, maybe a bit of that, like early teenage rebellion. <laughs> But then I, I so I stopped taking lessons, but then I realized that I still love to play. Um, And that was like my creative expression. And so I took some jazz lessons for a while, just worked on my theory and kind of learned how to improvise a little bit um, or just have more freedom in my playing because it was mostly just centered around classical music up until then. And uh yeah, so kind of brought in a different skill set and that just helped me yeah, helped my writing. Um, around that time too, I've, I've always written poems and since I was younger, you know, lots of like creative writing and journaling just because I've always loved it. Um, and so I think it was probably around when I was like 14, 15, 16 when I started kind of pairing little piano melodies with words that I had been writing and just, I guess the early stages of songwriting and figuring that out and, listening to lots of like Coldplay or like piano rock (laughs) and just like learning the songs and learning like how they wrote their piano parts and like kind of modeling that. And that was big inspiration for me at that time. And yeah, just experimenting. And so lots of just time in my basement um, or in my parents' basement writing. And then um, it wasn't until I was a really shy kid, like growing up and in high school. Um, And I, I never really felt confident, especially with music. There is, you know, I remember there were a couple bands in my high school and they'd play different open mics and battle of the bands or whatever. And and I just, I never even considered that I could do something like that. Like performing was like, no way, that's terrifying. Like that, you know, I could never put myself out there. Like I'm not good enough or whatever. I don't really remember all that was going through my mind, but it didn't really feel like an option. But um, I had started playing on like a church youth group team um, playing piano and then doing a bit of singing. And a few people there had kind of encouraged me like, Hey, you should sing more. And I never thought I could sing, but I just tried it and I really liked it. Um, and so that kind of gave me some confidence to perform and just to play in front of people and not to just like lose my mind and get all like sweaty and shaky (laughs) and just kind of work through those, those, uh, jitters. Um, and then I started thinking like, Oh, I, like, I really like this and I'm writing, like, I want to be able to play my own shows. Like, why can't I do that? And, uh, so I played my first concert and I think it was 2008. So I was like 19 and it was my friend, a friend of mine who promoted shows in Calgary. Uh, he was having a house concert and so he asked me to play. And uh so I had my like electric keyboard and like my notebook with all my songs because I still to this day, like often forget lyrics. And so if it's a new song, like I need a reference. <laughs> so I had my notebook and I was like so nervous. And there's just like a bunch of my friends came and we're all just like in this living room. So it's a really relaxed atmosphere, but still, you know, everyone's just like looking at you. <laughs> and I remember I had my notebook on my piano and then it fell and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm just... I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I played a couple songs and people really loved it and that, you know, my friends were super supportive and I had a lot of fun. And so I remember talking to my friend, John, and I'm like, I just want to play. I just want more opportunities to try this. And, and you know, you put on shows. So, like, if you ever need someone to open, I like, I'd love to, you know. And and he was like, okay. And so he he promoted a lot of local hardcore shows. Okay. So it'd be like community centers with these, you know, four hardcore bands, pack the house and just like thrashing music, people like throwing down <laughs> and that whole scene. And so he'd often call me and say, Hey, Lauren, I've got this show. Do you want to open? And I always said yes. And so... I would open the show and play my piano and play these like cute folk pop songs and all the, everyone seemed to like it, especially like all the girlfriends and moms who were there with their, you know, hardcore boyfriends or sons. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a very inclusive community too. Um, Just a a bit of that like alternative music community, where it's like very supportive and, um, you know, everyone's just getting their start. And a few of the bands that would regularly play, you know, would do some touring. And so there's kind of this like expansion, people kind of getting out of Calgary and doing bigger things. So it was really cool. It was a really dynamic community. And so often I would just, yeah, do that and, um, and open for all these bands and, and then play at like some coffee houses and stuff and, um, and just do that. So I did that for a couple of years, um, after high school, while I was doing university, uh, which I did two years of, and then was also working part-time and then decided, you know, I really love this music thing. I should take the opportunity to try and focus on that now. School will always be there. (laughs) So uh, I did a lot of like weighed all the pros and cons and uh, decided, okay, I'm going to take a break from school, focus on music and see where that goes. And I haven't been back to school since then. <laughs> so my break turned into just dropping out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am a successful university dropout. But um, yeah, and then I didn't end up, you know, doing music full time for, you know, maybe two more years. But um, but it gave me lots of opportunity to while I was working and then just um, playing local shows and connecting with different local musicians and stuff. And I really had no idea what I was doing, but I was just trying stuff. And I, I decided to book a tour uh in 2009 because U2 was playing in Vancouver. And I thought, well, hey, I want to go to the show. So I'll just like book some shows to get out there. And then I can go to the show and kind of cover some costs or whatever. Have a good time.
0: Whoa, bold.
1: Yeah, very bold. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So I kind of gave myself like a two-week time period. I had never booked a show before. And didn't realize how many emails you need to send to promoters or venue owners and how many emails or how many responses you don't get back. (laughs) You send out lots of emails and then just no one responds and you just have to keep emailing them or calling them. And then they might respond and be like, oh, no, sorry, we've booked, you know, we're booked on that day or whatever. It's like such a tough task to do. But I was able to book six shows over a two-week period (laughs) Not maybe the most economic way of doing it, but I was pretty proud of myself for just making it happen. Yeah, for sure. So I went out with two of my friends, a cellist and a bass player, and just played these shows and uh didn't make any money, probably lost money. Didn't keep track of it, so I have no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> had no idea what I was doing, but it was fun. I did it and then went to see you too, and saw some friends in Vancouver and drove home. Yeah. And then two years later, um, like started kind of touring full time, uh, met my first husband and he had experience in the music industry and so was able to kind of take that side of it, the business side of it and and booked, booked a tour and kind of made that happen. So then we just went for it. And so toured for, yeah, a couple of years, pretty much full time. But yeah, it's been like quite a journey and it's taken a long, it, it took a long time for me to realize, oh, this is actually like a career. Like I'm not just experimenting or just doing things and seeing how it goes. It's like, okay, I'm starting to make some intentional decisions with this and being very intentional about how I do it. And yeah. And it, so it's been a, a neat journey because I never expected it. I never expected to, to do music or have that be, you know, a career that I pursue um were just a big part of my life but i love it so much and now i don't know what i would do if i wasn't playing music it's like i need to do that
0: <laughs> wow well okay so many different places we could go here <laughs> totally yeah well okay the first thing i just want to pick up on is that you mentioned that you toured pretty much full time for 2 years
1: uh yeah well was it so we started in 2011 uh, no, it was more than that till about 2015. So wow. like four years. Okay.
0: So yeah. what did that look like with North America? Are we talking about? Yeah.
1: Or? It started with a cross Canada, a 65 day cross Canada tour, uh, which was like three months, three or four months long, um, from here to the East coast, uh, just playing in like every small town ever, uh, which was pretty cool that like Canada has a lot of small towns that, yeah. are, you know, have little cafes and cool people. And, uh, and so, yeah, I did that. And then from there drove down to Florida to work with a producer to do my first studio album. So we did the first tour and was like, we'll just see how this goes. And then, you know, we need to get to Florida to record. Um, it was a producer who had worked, uh, and was in a band that I really liked. So that's why we ended up going down there, but yeah. And then from there just kept booking tours and they just kind of went from one to the next, maybe have like, you know, some time off in between a couple of weeks to a month or so. Um, And then back on the road. So it was a pretty, it was a very transient lifestyle. Kind of had all my stuff in storage and bought a 15 passenger van and that became home. And then we, yeah, I'd bring different people with us, um, kind of whoever was available. And my band was called the Lauren Men and the Fairly Odd Folk and just really fun. And the Fairly Odd Folk kind of encapsulated the idea of, you know, it's always a bunch of different people. So, you know, one time I had a a banjo player and a cellist on tour, a brother and sister. Okay. And they came on tour, they opened the shows and then they played with me as well. And then another husband and wife duo who played guitar and various instruments, percussion and stuff. And then more of a full band with like drums based electric guitar. And then we kind of kept doing more of like a full band thing, but yeah, I toured across Canada and then uh, we did a lot of touring in the States. So we would do kind of loops of America as well, which was really neat. I had never done a lot of traveling in the States, but there are a lot of cities and a lot of interstates. <laughs> There's a lot of places you can go to and so many interesting things to see too. So that was really neat. Um It all kind of blended together after a certain point. And it's hard to remember like, oh, this happened on this specific tour, hmm. because they're just, it's, it's a blur of like four years of just constantly living in the van and being in a different city every night
0: so when you say living in the van were you, were you guys actually sleeping in the van from time to time or we
1: did occasionally yeah we we put a bed in the in the van um, so we could sleep out there um, but often we'd stay with friends or family or just people that we would meet or different host homes and stuff that was always different but often with people we didn't stay in a, a ton of hotels tried to keep it pretty economical Um, and we met a lot of interesting people that way too. (laughs) Uh, yeah, which was, which was cool. It taught me a lot about, well, yeah, learning to accept hospitality from people, um, and realizing that a lot of folks want to host bands, um, or just like host people and offer, you know, their place for people to sleep, but you know, they just need that opportunity or just, you know, it's like, okay to ask for that too. Like, Hey, we have nowhere to stay. Does anyone want to like let us crash at their place and often, you know, someone would be really excited about that. And so it was it, yeah, it it was humbling too to um kind of always be in that state. But it yeah, taught me a lot. And now it's so nice to be able to give back too, to have a place where I can say to anyone or like, you know, friends who are passing through or travelers or whatever, like, hey, I have a place, like come stay with me. Yeah. So I it was challenging in a lot of ways. Um It was a lot of fun and lots of like neat experiences getting to see different parts of, of the world. I mean, there's so many stories, like staying with some friends in, uh, in one of the like poorest parts of Philadelphia. They just lived in like this community called Kensington and it's a pretty like so urban, like so, um, yeah, lots of crime and, and stuff, but also such a cool community. And I got a glimpse of like, People really looking out for each other, even though there's like drug dealers on the on the front stoop. But, you know, they're still people and they were really nice (laughs) and probably made sure that our van didn't get broken into. So, you know, it's just like interesting, like just being out of my comfort zone and in places that I never would have put myself, but I just ended up in places and and yeah, lots of late nights. So you know, loading out gear at, you know, 2.33am in a back alley somewhere and you just meet random people. is <laughs> <laughs> really interesting. So...
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, seriously, wow. You know, like something I also want to find out a few more details about, and I know you said that it all kind of blends together a bit, which makes perfect sense. <laughs> but for... People who have never gone on tour themselves, which I'm assuming the majority of the audience have <laughs> not. What what does that kind of look like? Uh, with a little more detail as mm-hmm. to sound check and like a day in the
1: life? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um a typical tour day would be, you know, waking up probably fairly early. Our I think our average drive time was like five and a half hours. Some of those were longer, some were shorter, but that was maybe on average. So Maybe getting and you'd kind of work the day backwards. So if the show was at seven o'clock, we'd have to be done sound check by six at the latest, so we could have time to eat. And so we're sound checking at three, uh loading in at two. You know, depending on the show, if there are other bands. So then it's like, okay, if we have to be there at two, and we have a five-hour drive time, you know, leave at like eight thirty, nine o'clock. And uh so kind of planning around that, you know, we'd wake up seven thirty, eight o'clock, have breakfast wherever we are, um, you know, hang out with whoever's house we're in and spend some time with them and then make sure, you know, wrangle all the bandmates, make sure everyone has remembered their toiletries and their phone chargers and all the things that often get left behind. Any laundry, you know, don't leave it in the laundry machine. Uh, get everyone in the van, hit the road, make sure everyone's gone to the bathroom. (laughs) After, you know, drinking coffee in the morning, you don't want to get like 45 minutes down the highway and someone has to pee. You know, it's like flurry in the morning and then you're just sitting in the van for most of the day. So I did a lot of knitting because I could keep my hands busy, but still like look out the window and, you know, watch the scenery go by. So I would do lots of knitting, some journaling, trying to keep myself productive as we drove because, that was really my time during the day when, you know, if I was home, I would be just at home, you know, doing stuff or whatever, probably doing dishes or normal home things. So that was kind of my time during the day. So I'd try and be productive. And yeah, we'd stop, you know, get gas, maybe get some food somewhere, just like, but we were usually on a pretty tight schedule. So we couldn't stop and see things too much, unless it was like, an attraction right off the highway. So like one time driving through Louisiana, we saw a sign for uh holding baby alligators. <laughs> we <laughs> thought, "Well, this is great. We should check that out." And it was free. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like right off the highway it was like an alligator conservation uh society, and so they would rescue baby alligators, I guess that would get abandoned or or something and rehabilitate them and put them back in the wild. And so we got to hold a baby alligator and it was okay because it hadn't had meat yet so it it wouldn't think to like bite your finger or try and eat you
0: that's a good thing Um,
1: yeah very good and it's it was so soft like the top of it is like scaly and like i mean it's a reptile but their bellies were like the softest thing ever it was amazing (laughs) it felt so nice to hold (laughs) That's, Who would have thought? And so worry
0: about how big was a baby alligator?
1: I uh, like maybe, you know, a couple feet from like tail to nose. Okay. Yeah, like pretty small.
0: Did they make cute little cooing noises at all? Or
1: No. But no. their eyes would kind of like you know, they blink and they have these like, you know, alligator eyes that are kind of like, you know, reptile and look kind of weird and But, and these like cute little smiles. (laughs) That's adorable.
0: (laughs) So cool. Side note, last time I was in Louisiana, I actually ate some alligator and it was delicious. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But if next time I'm going to hold a baby alligator instead (laughs) of eating one, (laughs) Uh, I'll probably never eat alligator again after that experience. But for those who've never tried alligator, give it a shot. It's
1: pretty good. Yeah. I think I have tried alligator before too, and it was quite good. So maybe it was
0: just the Louisiana spices. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. So not a lot of time to stop at uh, attractions unless they were right off the highway.
1: Totally. Yeah. yeah. So and sometimes we would see really cool things right off the highway, like a, a nice view or something like that. Um, but yeah, then we'd get to the venue and, you know, go in kind of touch base with the promoter or whoever was our contact there. And then it would just be like, now we're working. So we're loading in. We had a most of the time we had a trailer with us um and all the gear was in the trailer. So we'd start unloading or just firing equipment into the venue and then setting up. And, uh, and that would usually go right into sound checking. So it's pretty nonstop. And then someone in the band would be trying to like take photos and do social media and, uh, you know, do the internet connection thing. And then hopefully we would be able to sound check, coordinate with the other bands and still have time to like get some food and eat. And so that was, um, yeah, sometimes we would have extra time before the shows, um, either when we got to the city or before the show started between soundcheck and the show. And so I would often try and go for walks just through the neighborhood to get a feel of like where I was. Yeah. And, uh, and I always looked for like vintage stores or thrift stores to do some treasure hunting. And, um, yeah, that was really fun. So as soon as I would get to a city and say, try and like look up on Google where the nearest thrift store is and then walk there if I could. And, um, it just like gave me an opportunity to like be, We'll get a little bit of exercise after sitting all day and then just like have a bit of time to myself to like think and just, I love exploring places and just getting a feel for a place too. And, um, and it's funny, you can go to different parts of a city and get such different, uh, feels for it Absolutely, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember going to San Antonio and I think the first time we were there, I had some time, maybe an hour or two, it was grace. And we were really close to the San Antonio river walk. Which I didn't even know about. I just like started walking. I'm like, oh, there's a some stairs and like a walkway by the river. That's cool. Like I'll just see where this goes. And it's like this amazing, you know, waterway that's surrounded by like little shops and restaurants and you know bridges that go over it. And it's just like a really cool. You don't feel like you're in Texas. It's very unique. So I just wandered all through there and. You know, did some writing and just had like a great time and went back to the show, felt really refreshed. And then the next time <laughs> I was in San Antonio, we were playing across from like a strip club, and it was just like this kind of seedy part of town with like just lined with bars and is like it maybe a Saturday night or something? So it's just like lots of intoxicated people everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this is you know, not somewhere where I feel the most comfortable. So totally different vibe. Same city, but uh, it was always interesting to just kind of explore the cities and try and get a little bit of a vibe for the place. And then, yeah, we'd play the show. Um, often there would be other bands playing. And so it was nice to connect with them, too, and hear different music. And uh, And then after we would play, it'd be like going straight to the merch table, trying to hustle CDs and connect with the crowd, get them to sign up for the email list so we could stay connected and just like build those Connections and, and relationships and yeah, and then pack up and load out and then go to wherever we were staying. Usually it was a late night, get a little bit of sleep and repeat. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing. That's really amazing to hear the in-depth description yeah. of, of what, uh, what's what been going on in your life before moving to Pender Island.
1: Yeah, it's a, it feels, I feel really far re- removed from it these days But it was my norm for so long, and so it's, yeah, it's funny to kind of recount those days and just how intense they were, Mm. how busy.
0: It sounds so intense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And so, because when you talked about taking those walks, they sound pretty peaceful, just checking Mm -hmm. things out and being curious and everything, but before getting ready in the morning, driving, making sure day after day, you have to get to somewhere new, you're driving Mm -hmm. on roads you probably haven't been on before, you're going to a place you've never been to before. And there's just so many things are new and happening. Do you feel as if that there was a heightened level of maybe not necessarily anxiety, but or adrenaline going like on a minor level all day?
1: Yeah, for sure. And it it took me a couple years to actually realize that. Um, every so often I'd get sick, you know, get a cold or something and then performing while sick is just the worst. And I remember finishing a tour once I had a really bad cough and, uh, went to the, like we were home for a bit and I went to the doctor and, um, uh, my heart rate was really high and it turns out I had a thyroid issue that had gone undiagnosed for a couple of months. So it was quite severe, Um, and I was able to get the right medication and like monitor it and just like totally normalize. But I think a lot, a lot of that was triggered by stress. And I just started to realize it then that the constant movement, um, and just being in a different place every day and kind of going from, I don't know, you're sitting in the van all day, but then as soon as you get to the show, it's like go, go, go. And you don't stop until late in the night. And then you're up again early the next day. And so, I think I, my stress and anxiety level was just at a constant high or, or at least higher than it would normally be. So, uh, and that was just normal. Um, but that like it wears on you after a while. And it, it just took me a, a long time to realize that because it, you just get used to it. You're like, this is just the flow. We're just in it. We're going and <laughs> you know, and you just keep going with it. But then um it caught up to me and and i just started to feel that like even after i i got diagnosed with that and i was able to you know manage that and and my body kind of went back to normal but i just i started to feel the burnout um and it hit pretty hard and it lasted for a while and it it took me a while to like realize that and to figure out like what i needed to do about that and that was part of moving to pender too was just realizing I am, I have nothing left. Like I am so depleted emotionally and physically, like in every way. And, um, and I haven't had that community that, you know, in, when you get to those times, you kind of rely on like those people around you to like help, you know, support you. And so I was just totally empty and realizing like, I need to, I need to be grounded again. I need to be like rooted somewhere so I can be okay. So I can like function and, and get back to like who I am. <laughs> so it, you know, it was so fun and like so many different experiences and getting to play music. And I learned a lot and learned how to interact with crowds and, you know, how to talk between songs. Cause that was always something that's hard for me and just gaining so much confidence just with the sheer volume of shows that we played. But the cost of that was, yeah, lots of anxiety and, and high stress and then realizing like, okay, coming out of that, it's been like quite a a long healing process of just, you know, even living on Pender and recovering, I guess, in a sense from that and realizing, okay, I do love, I still love playing music and playing shows and connecting with people in that way. And that aspect, all the good parts of of the travel that, you know, seeing new places, being out of my comfort zone. But how do I do that sustainably where I don't just burn out or just like, totally disconnect from myself. A lot of like my thought over the past couple of years is what does that look like going forward? Is that still something I can do? And yeah, because that was a definitely a huge thing and a big side effect of, of just, you know, maybe that's not true for all bands um, touring because everyone does it differently. But that was for me, it got to be quite difficult. Even though it was super fun, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: wow, this is amazing. Thank you for sharing all that. Seriously, yeah. that's uh, I, I, I knew none of this before. Right now, <laughs> so this is really blowing my mind. Actually, <laughs> it, you know, I'll just relate a quick story here. Is that because? the only experience I have with being up on stage is just doing a friend show, a couple friend shows. And mm. so the obligation I had was, okay, you got to go do six shows and six nights and in the same venue, same city. And I couldn't believe the pressure to go up and do that. Mm, yeah. And after that experience, when I would go watch a band play, I would think, OK, so this band actually had to drive here from a long distance. <laughs> They've never been to the city before. Right. Maybe they have or whatever. It's all new. And so, you know, I was trying to put it in perspective as to what the experience was mm-hmm. for for touring musicians, just having a little bit of an insight as to what it's like to have to go up and perform for people, because the expectations mm-hmm. are pretty high, right? Yeah, totally. People... Or I paid money for this. Yeah. I expect you to be good, right? Mm-hmm. And that uh my expectations have lessened now because right. of that. Because <laughs> I feel as if I have more understanding and empathy and uh yeah, yeah if, if the band doesn't seem that good that night, oh well, you know, they yeah. just had an off night and totally. uh they might be a little tired.
1: Yeah. True. And and if you know, it's one thing too that I kind of got used to and got in the habit of, but it's like however I'm feeling during the day. Like to a point, you kind of have to just put that aside and be like, all right, put on a smile. Like we're having a good time. Sure. <laughs> and so it does create a bit of this like illusion too. And, and after doing that so long, sometimes it, it becomes easier, which can be kind of a scary thing. Cause it's like, I don't want to lose my authenticity. Like, and I would find myself sometimes going into autopilot where I'd. You know, say the same thing, you know, to a crowd. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I am not present. Like I know myself and I know I'm not fully there. So I'd have to kind of check myself and be like, Okay, I just need to get in the zone. But it was harder if I like wasn't feeling well or if the, you know, there were some like difficult band dynamics during the day or if we just had like a really long day. And then, you know, we've all got to get on stage and play and put smiles on and be energetic and engage the crowd. And it's. Yeah, it takes a lot of like mental stamina <laughs> yeah. to do that. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it for sure.
0: No doubt. Maybe we'll just get back into Pender after this last question. And mm-hmm. because you were just talking about how you're going to deal with possibly doing more touring in the future. But I know that you went on a tour this spring mm-hmm. across Canada. And, uh, how did that go for you?
1: It was so good. Yeah, it was really, um, I was a little nervous about it because I hadn't done a big tour like that for a couple of years. And so I felt some apprehension, like, okay, I've done this before and I know what it could be. And I just want it to go well. And it was such a positive experience. Um, I mean, we had a great kickoff show on Pender, uh, which was such a wonderful way to kind of get sent out. <laughs> Um, just feeling so supported by the community here. And we had such a fun time. Um And so the rest of the shows, like they weren't big shows. They were, some of them were quite small, but it felt really manageable. Like I, uh yeah, we, we had a lot of fun together. I mean, the, the interpersonal dynamics were great. Um, my band was awesome and musically and, and personally we just got along really well. So it just created this like really fun atmosphere. It was some of their first times traveling across Canada. So we stopped at every um province sign. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was just like a fun thing we did. We'd get a picture and like, you know, put the camera on the roof of the van and then like run up and like, you know, try and do a self timer. And so we just had some fun things like that. And uh, we had a couple of days. We It was quite busy. Like we had, I think, two days off or something like that in the string of shows. So it was pretty constant, but it was also a lot shorter than pretty much every other tour I've done it was 3 weeks I think we did 17 shows um and then had a couple of days off at the end and so it was it was okay to kind of pack those those days because it was like it wasn't 4 months long or 3 months long it was just 3 weeks uh so it was busy and some early nights and long drives but um i don't know it felt it felt sus- like more sustainable i mean maybe not necessarily financially but that's okay like you know, we, we pretty much broke even, and that's all you can really expect. Like it wasn't a big tour. We didn't do a lot of publicity. So it was more for me, it was like, can I do this still? Really? (laughs) Yeah. And, and I mean, it was also a way for me to see a lot of people that I hadn't seen for a couple of years. You know, I mentioned like that fragmented community. It was still, it was still my community. And so, going back to visit some friends and see people I hadn't seen. It was like, oh yeah, you guys were like, you were my community when I was out on the road and doing this, you know, more full time. And so it's still neat to have those connections and go back and and get to visit with old friends. And so that was really, really special. It was definitely a highlight for me. And just remembering like, yeah, getting to play and then like see how music connects with people and um, that felt really fresh, I think, because I hadn't been, you know, I'd taken a couple years off of playing shows um in a more serious sense. And so just getting to see that again and seeing random people come to a show and then, like really connect with a song or or with with the music in general, and then getting to talk to them after. And like, this is what it's all about. It's music is that like common ground. It's that language that like transcends so many cultural barriers or just, you know, social divisions and stuff. And it's somewhat it's it's a way we can all just relate on like a human level. Um, So yeah, being reminded of that was really neat. And I got back, I didn't get sick at all, which was great. (laughs) I got back and just felt like, oh, like I could have kept going, but also it was like, it ended at the right time. I had two days off in Montreal before I flew home and I got to, yeah, just like wander Montreal, which is such an amazing city. And uh, just eat a lot of food and see some friends and just experience, you know, the one, you know, old Montreal and just yeah, really enjoy it. So it just felt like full of like life and vitality. And yeah, uh, such a positive experience. It was so much fun. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Very right on. Redemptive in a way, I guess. Sure. It yeah. sounds like it. Definitely. Totally.
0: And so when you came back off that tour, that uh, you came back to the job that you have now working for ptarmigan arts mm-hmm. and uh i think we should get into that a little bit because yeah. i think it's really interesting what has been going on there and what's been happening through ptarmigan to help the community so yeah. maybe if you want to start off by uh just talking a little bit about maybe how you got the job first mm-hmm. off and then uh how it's been since you've been there
1: yeah it's it's such a, i feel like i yeah won the like job lottery <laughs> but it's uh it was neat like the timing just worked out really well krista who's the previous artistic director decided to move back to Saskatoon with her family. And right around that time, I was, you know, I had been working a few different part-time jobs on the island, which was great. And I had done that for a couple of years and I it allowed me to meet some people and just try different things and do that along with, you know, doing music. But it got, got to a point where I realized, okay, I need something a bit more solid just to give me some like the financial stability and something to like sink my teeth into. And the jobs that I had been doing were great, but it wasn't, they weren't the most like uh challenging uh, in the terms of just like challenging me to, you know, just grow and develop skills and just expand myself. And, and I like being, a, I like being challenged. I like trying new things and kind of being pushed a little bit. So, so the timing was really perfect because I was getting to a point where I'm like, okay, I need something. Am I going to have to go back on tour just to make money? Which is not the reason I'd want to do that. Or am I going to, you know, what am, what am I going to do? And then the job opened up. And at first, it's funny. I remember thinking like, Oh, I can't do that. Like I'm not ready to settle down for like a, a, a job like for an arts organization. Like that's too serious. But then I was like, what am I thinking? This is like the perfect job. <laughs> so I, I put my name in the hat for, for the position and had to do a CV and a cover letter. And I hadn't had to do that for a long time and then got it, which was so a, a little bit surprising, but really exciting and nerve wracking all of the emotions all at once. And yeah, it's, it's been really cool in a lot of ways. It has been challenging in a such a positive sense of just helping me grow in different areas and giving me opportunities to work with so many different facilitators and artists on the island and not just in music. And that was kind of, you know, the creative background I came from, but getting to learn more about um, film with our film festival and working with David and Nona and uh, yeah, being immersed in that world, which I knew nothing about beforehand. And then getting to work with more of the visual artists and do, you know, the fall crawl and the um, art in the orchard. And, and that's a kind of a new thing for ptarmigan as well to incorporate more visual arts under our umbrella. So that's been really neat. It's, yeah, it's been very inspiring. And on a personal level, um, I guess I realized how there is kind of a weight to working for yourself. And there's a pressure for that. Like you're kind of always, every month I'd be like, okay, what am I going to do this month to help me make the money that I need to make to cover my expenses? And that had been kind of my life for a number of years of just kind of relying on my art and my music to have an income and, or at least part of an income. And so when I got this job, I realized, wow, I don't have to rely on my music anymore. I can do this as a hobby, or just part time or whatever I want. Like there's no, um, there's no pressure. And so it totally alleviated that pressure, uh, from me, which I hadn't really realized it was there. It was once I didn't have it anymore. I was like, Oh, this is so freeing. Um, and it's kind of revitalized my desire to want to write and, and just enjoy music. And I think helped me kind of discover my love of it again, uh, which was really neat. I wasn't expecting that. That was a total surprise. So it just, yeah, I felt a lot more inspired by that and getting to do like for my day job, getting to do creative work and use kind of, you know, I, I am quite administratively minded. So being able to do, you know, the administrative work and data management or just like you, know, whatever menial tasks that are part of the job, I really enjoy that. <laughs> so it's such a good fit. Um, and of course getting to work with Lisa was super fun. Uh, it is super fun. She's such a wonderful coworker and um and an amazing strong force of the organization. So learning from her and getting to work alongside her has been really cool and and very challenging. Um yeah, just helping me grow and like work on my interpersonal skills and just how to navigate situations and being okay with reaching out to random people, sending like cold emails to be like, "Hey, we've got this idea." What do you think? <laughs> and yeah, just getting to like a lot of my job is just brainstorming and or hearing other people's ideas for, hey, we should do this program or How can we make this work? Um,
0: And actually, just to catch people up a little bit with this, Mm -hmm. so for people who are not in the know about exactly what Tarmigan is or how it works, Mm -hmm. maybe just to fill in a little few of the details here to maybe how the organization got started and specifically what it is that uh, you guys do on the island.
1: Right. So Tarmigan Arts is an art, a community arts organization, and uh, traditionally focused on performing arts, uh, music, dance, and musical theater but we have also kind of incorporated recently the visual arts into that fold as well. And so um, our mandate is to make the arts accessible to everyone in the community by providing um, creative opportunities for artists um, and events and workshops and classes for the community to explore the arts and to find their creative voice kind of with the mission of cultivating creative community. Cause we believe that a creative community is a healthy community. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the force behind or the driving force behind what we do. So we do a couple events throughout the year. We do the film festival, the, uh, youth talent show, art in the orchard. Last year we did our first mosaic arts and culture festival, um, and the fall crawl and then a few other things. And then throughout the year we do uh, workshops. So maybe. A music theory class or um, right now we've got Down by the Bay happening, which is a preschool music and dance program that happens on Saturday mornings. Yeah, everything from like guitar workshops to improv classes, um, a lot of it depends on what facilitators are on the island and who can teach things. But we have some amazingly talented people here, which is great. So we've got a good, robust uh, program. We also do stuff with um, working with other local organizations. So uh, Mary Rare is a music therapist and she does a singing for fun, singing for joy program, which is just helping people break down the barriers that they might have in regards to singing. And it's this amazing program where people can just come and learn songs and sing in a group. And uh, in a really like safe environment to just find their voice and realize that everyone can, in fact, sing, even if some music teacher when you were five told you that you were tone deaf. Uh, that can be a really damaging thing. So helping people work through that. And yeah, so, um, arts and wellness and, uh, yeah, all sorts of things. We're kind of open to lots of ideas to just foster the arts on the island and, uh, give opportunities for, artists to teach and share their knowledge and then for people to get to glean that and do workshops and, and activities and stuff. So
0: amazing. And you guys are generally able to do this by securing grants that you've applied for. And then,
1: yeah, yeah, we, um, we are heavily, we are grant dependent in, in a large way, but, um, lots of different project grants from different places, uh, different sources. Um, but we are, opening up a gallery, uh, coming up very soon, which is really exciting. And, uh, for many reasons, uh, we're excited to give a space for visual artists to showcase their art and also to hopefully build it to a place where it is, it helps support, um, some of our charitable, uh, programs, uh, some of our programs we make revenue, you know, from tickets or from, um, registrations, but we do some programs that are purely charitable just because we believe they're really important for the community to um, bring that quality of life to um, to people. So, um, yeah, so we're hoping that eventually the gallery will kind of help feed those programs and be a social enterprise for us um, and a gathering place and a really cool spot in the community.
0: And so this is in the old Red Tree Gallery.
1: It is. Yeah. yeah. So we're moving our offices into the backspace. And the front will be a gallery showcasing Pender art. Oh, you guys are moving your office. Yeah. yeah. Super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. changes, but it's it's neat to see um, the organization expanding a bit and going into some new territory. And we brought Shannon Brayford onto the team to kind of spearhead opening the gallery um, and kind of the project manager for that. So super exciting.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, I want to say a big thank you because, uh, what I've noticed going on on the island, what tarmigan has been doing, especially in the last year, and maybe I'm just noticing more because I signed up to the Facebook group and I see, <laughs> see what's coming through, through there. But, uh, it just is really amazing the amount mm. of different, uh, programs that you guys are helping to bring out and facilitate and, Give people an opportunity to share their knowledge and their experience Mm -hmm. and give more people an opportunity to learn and create.
1: Yeah, totally. It's so rewarding to be able to provide that. And it's amazing to see even what uh, Lisa and I can do just as part time staff, but there's still lots going on. So it's, it is pretty cool to sometimes, you know, we get in the thick of it and Lisa does all the grant writing and is like, you know, always has deadlines and, you know, I'm working on programs and then you know, sometimes we have to take a step back and see, oh, yeah, there is a lot going on and lots of opportunities for people. And even, you know, just seeing young kids who, you know, go to the Down by the Bay program, get exposed to some music and dance foundations, and then go into the school. And uh, Ben McConkey's in the school teaching music now and, you know, getting to just kind of bring up the next generation of musicians and artists. And so helping foster that is so rewarding. Um, and just seeing interactions multi-generationally and all of it. It's, it's really cool and such fulfilling work. So it's, yeah, I, I'm so grateful for, to, to have that position. Um, and just get to work with so many amazing people. It's really a team effort. Like there's so many people involved who help make it happen. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Nice. And one of the things you helped uh, make this happen was uh you guys helped to sponsor this podcast. It yeah. The first year of doing the podcast, I was doing it all on my own. And people were like, you got to go talk to Tarmigan. You got to go talk to Tarmigan. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to, right? They're going to take control of things. They're going to tell me what to do. And uh, I went to <laughs> talk to you guys and you're able to provide a little bit of uh financial support to help for equipment and some time and, uh, and all you said was just keep doing what you're doing, Chris. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so thank you for that. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. And that's one of those things that's so fun because we, you know, don't always know what cool projects people are up to. And uh, so when someone comes to us is like, hey, I'm doing this. Is there any way you can help? It's like, oh, well, yeah, we would love to get involved. Like, let's see, you know, it depends on, you know, what we have going on and what resources we might have to offer. But yeah, it's I'm so glad that you did come to talk to us because we were able to help in some way. And and it's just so fun to kind of hear of all these different things that are happening because Pender has so many creative minds um and creative people on the island just coming up with ideas and wanting to do really cool things. And so it's really neat to just help those projects happen because it just adds to the culture and um atmosphere of the island. So I always welcome more ideas.
0: <laughs> Good to hear it. Yeah, totally. Nice. Well, I'm so happy we're able to document that, not just for the present day, but for the future as well, too. Mm-hmm. Cause, you know, I'm thinking of this as a project that, uh, hopefully people will be listening to years in the future. And, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to, uh, document what's going on on the island right now totally. to segue into, <laughs> uh, you know, the next traditional question to go from how you and, uh, other people at Begin are helping people on the island. I'd like to ask the second traditional question and who has helped you on oh, Pender wow. Island, Lauren?
1: Uh- that's an endless list <laughs> 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 who hasn't helped me um it's been pretty cool being in this community and being able to like help other people but then be helped to is a pretty amazing thing and i think the first thing that comes to mind is uh just my neighbors having awesome neighbors is such a cool thing and i i know a lot of my neighbors when i first moved to my house um there was a, a family down the street who was moving away and they were selling their place and they, I forget how I, you know, we got connected, but they said, well, you know, we don't want to bring all this stuff with us. We've got like, you know, do you need a, like a garbage bin? And I'm like, Oh, I, I don't, yeah. I hadn't thought of a garbage bin. I guess I need that. I have a house now. <laughs> and like a wheelbarrow and uh I'm pretty sure a step ladder, like all these things that, you know, we'd have to go out and get because they're very useful items. Yes. Um, and so that was like very helpful. <laughs> I use that wheelbarrow all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also had a woodshed full of wood and they're like, well, do you want this? I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, well, yes. Uh, thank you. Like, do you want something? <laughs> but, uh, they ended up, um, yeah, giving us all their wood. Uh, so we had wood for the winter, which was amazing so funny story we moved in and then shortly after went back to Alberta to record an album and did a couple shows and I was playing at the showcase in Spruce Grove in Edmonton and um was chatting with one of the stagehands and she's like oh you're from Pender I'm moving to Pender I'm like oh that's so cool uh she's like what part of the island are you on I'm like oh North Pender she's like oh it's we started talking about like what street and I'm like oh I'm on Cutlass Court and She's like, I'm moving to Cutlass Court. No way! Like, no way! I'm like, oh, you must be moving to the house. And she's like, you're the person who got all the wood. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I wanted to keep that wood. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but we're good friends, so that's <laughs> it. All worked out. <laughs> Small world. <laughs> totally. Small world. Yeah, but uh yeah, the generosity of of Penderfolk, and you know, I have great neighbors, and often like you know, wander down to someone's house. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> the other day I uh, was getting a piano delivered to my garden and needed to cut the fence to get the piano in the fence and uh, needed to find, you know, wire cutters wouldn't do it. So I needed like um, bolt cutters. And uh, my neighbor down the street, Ralph, who kind of affectionately known as my pender dad, after going to a couple neighbors houses who were directly around me, no one was home. I ran down to Ralph's. So I'm like, do you have a bowl cutter? He had one in his workshop. So use that. Got the piano in the yard. And, you know, there's always neighbors around to have other tools that I don't have. So, it's yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a good community of sharing resources and <laughs> ingredients. I have many stories about that. Right on. <laughs>
0: So neighbors, neighbors are uh, like some of the key people that have helped you out uh, on the island for sure.
1: Yeah, neighbors for sure, and and just like with yeah friendships that I have been able to build. um, Yeah, and it's cool, you know. I was saying earlier just how realizing that building those deep friendships takes a lot of like some some work and some intentionality, and and you know making sure that you're staying connected to each other and. And I totally have seen so many rewards of that, like having some really low moments and some of my hardest moments in life on Pender and just seeing how my friends have, you know, it's hard to ask for help sometimes.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: But getting to a point where I'm like, I, I need help. Like I, you know, I just need the support of the people around me and those people coming alongside me and like offering just advice or bringing soup if I'm sick or just those things like being cared for. Um and having a community around that's really like family, like it kind of goes beyond just being friends. It's like we're, it, d- it does feel a lot like family. And, uh, and that's so meaningful, because I know, you know, then when I'm doing well, and they need help, like I am, I'm there to help as well. It's, it's so reciprocal. But yeah, my friends have been pretty huge for that. Um, Just supporting me when I've really needed it the most. And sometimes don't want to ask for help, but just absolutely need it. And yeah, it's a really beautiful thing to know that you're just, you're cared for and, and looked after. Nice. Yeah.
0: That's really a beautiful way of describing the uh, supportiveness that you're experiencing on mm-hmm. the island. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely place. It's a lovely place we live. It is. Um, I actually just wanted to ask about uh, where things are going with your music in the very near future, because I know that uh, a new album is probably going to be in the works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. maybe if you want to talk about <laughs> that for a little bit.
1: Totally. Yeah. Well, I've been writing for a couple of years, uh, just, you know spending time in my studio working on songs. Not really sure what I'm doing with them. (laughs) And then kind of got to a point where I realized, okay, I have a, a lot of songs and I could probably pick the best ones and that could be an album, but not really sure how to record an album. You know, it takes money and resources and you're just how to make that happen logistically yeah, but uh has been kind of coming together. And, and part of it too is I just haven't had a vision for it of like what I want it to look like. And I didn't really want to take any concrete steps towards something until I had a bit of a vision. And the tour in May was great for that because I was just in the world of music and we were playing some new songs on the tour. And so it gave me a chance to just think about, okay, what do I want with these songs? Like, What's the story? What's the Feeling uh what's kind of the theme behind it what what do I want to share with people and it kind of gave me some time to think about my vision and hone that in a little bit, so that was really uh really great and so since then I've been kind of mulling it over and trying to figure out what's next. I had a a moment a few weeks ago where a little mini crisis <laughs> where i I was just kind of feeling a little bit down. And I'm like, I don't know what my vision is. Like, where am I going with music? Am I even, is this something I'm even doing anymore? Like, what does it all look like? And um just trying to sort out all these thoughts and trying to figure out, okay, where are these coming from? Like, what are my goals? And actually just, just writing out like, what do I want to achieve from this? And do I even want to record another album? And then realizing, oh my goodness, yes, I do. Like, I have these songs and I think I need to share them with people. And And so I decided kind of out of that little crisis, making, you know, setting some goals and just doing a lot of thinking and processing and realizing, okay, I need to set aside a day that, you know, a week, a day, a week, as much as I can to just work on music, whether that be like the business side of things or writing or recording demos. And so I decided, you know, I have Fridays off, so I'm going to aim for Fridays to be my music day. And so I remember writing it in my day planner on that, you know, the first Friday when I decided this, I'm like, music day, do not plan anything. <laughs> <laughs> I like needed to just have it there. So when I looked at Friday, I'm like, oh, right. I can't plan anything. That's music day. <laughs> and it was great. I, I set aside the day, you know, in the morning, I did some business things, emailed a few people about some shows, did some kind of planning and ideas. And then in the afternoon, I, I wrote and just played music and it felt so inspiring. Um, and then I, you know, from that, I had so many ideas and I, it's all the gears turning and, uh, I'm like, Oh, this is great. I need to do this more often. (laughs) So I've been trying to incorporate more like regular, like focused time into my weeks where I'm really dedicating myself to that. Cause it's, you know, that's my craft and, and it's my art. And I, I don't want to, um, just take it for granted. Like I really want to be working on it and, and always like progressing and, especially working towards something. And so, yeah, I've got songs I have um kind of put them in a a list of sort of the top songs that I feel like uh would be good for an album. And uh, I've been talking to my friend in Calgary who uh, co-produced my last album, and we've done some writing together and we work really well together. So, I'm I'm excited to kind of bring him into the process. Um and I'm going to Calgary next week, so we're going to work on some just kind of go through the songs and make a bit of a plan and yeah, get the process going to hopefully actually record and, and see it come to life. And I have like quite a specific vision for, for how I want the album to look uh, or sound and even for like album art and the title and it's all in my head. So now it's just like, finding the right people to help make that happen but it's really exciting i feel like i am moving forward with that after a couple of years of just transition and just kind of figuring out okay how do i want to do this like going forward what does music look like and yeah where do i see myself going and i don't have the answers to a lot of those questions which is
0: so exciting because yeah it's, it's the unknown
1: totally yeah it's it, anything is possible no. but i just have to start working towards something yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah, we talked a little bit about this last week and uh, I totally caught your excitement when you were saying that uh it's it's a it's a whole new adventure that you, you said in previous times you didn't have any ideas for album art before going into it but now mm-hmm. it's 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 percolating and you yeah. have a title.
1: Yeah, often that's been the last thing that comes like I'll have songs and then you know, work, record them in the studio. And then it's like, oh, I need like a track listing. I need some art and I need a name for the album. But I already have a lot of those ideas and they, they will probably change and ebb and flow. But, um, but just going into it with a clear vision is, is really exciting because now I can just build the team around it to help make it happen um, and just see it come to life, which I'm really excited for. <laughs> <Nice>. And <laughs> yeah. when
0: you go back to Calgary, I'm sure you'll be seeing your parents. Yeah. And will or will you not be doing any longboarding?
1: (laughs) I unfortunately don't have a longboard anymore. Okay. Um, So that will not happen. I think that was like a really treasured time in my life that will stay uh, perhaps in that time of life when I was, you know, 19.
0: Fair enough. It hurts yeah. when you fall on the pavement. It
1: does. I had some doozy wipeouts.
0: But when you were a youngster <laughs> and uh, you you used to do some longboarding in the streets of Calgary?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of my... I was not a very rebellious child. I guess the extent of my rebellion was staying out late longboarding, you know, and talking with my friends. Like, we didn't even... I, I didn't really drink. I didn't smoke. Like, I didn't do drugs. <laughs> it's like very, uh, very tame teenager, but uh, I liked staying out late and hanging out with my friends. And we would often longboard through the city. There is this park called Prince's Island Park in Calgary, just north of downtown with lots of pathways and trails. And so we'd go all through there and yeah, we had a bit of a crew. It was great.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, actually, I just want to uh, ask about your parents for a little bit here because your parents are part of the stories that brought you here. Mm-hmm. And I always like to ask people uh, about the parents a little bit, but uh, yeah. maybe if you could just describe a uh, little bit about uh, your mom and dad for us.
1: <laughs> yeah, they are both awesome. Um, and I'm really close with them both, which I'm super grateful for. Uh, my mom is uh, a medical transcriptionist. She works at home and it's funny when she first started coming like after I moved to Pender and she came out to visit everyone who we would like a lot of my friends who we would see uh, kept saying that we have the same smile and the same laugh and I had never thought about that in all of my life. No one had ever said that until I got to Pender and I guess people know me well and saw us together like you guys are the, like you have the same smile and you laugh the same and so I've realized how I do like take after my mom in a number of ways, which is a great thing. She's a great woman. Uh, but yeah, she's she's wonderful. Uh, she loves going for walks. We do a lot of when we hang out, we go for a lot of walks. And yeah, she's very sweet. And uh, what, what else? Do you, it's not often a question you get asked to describe your parents, but <laughs> <laughs> she's also like really encouraging and that's been something that's been really great. Just, you know, going through life and going through some difficult moments. And she's just always like, always has an encouraging word for me. Um, so that's, you know, I, I know I can always go to her with like a problem or something. And she'll just be like, you know, it's going to be like, you're going to be fine. Like you, you will get through this and just really like make me feel like it's going to be okay. <laughs> right. So that's, that's really nice. So um, what is your
0: mom's first name?
1: Patty. Patty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and my dad, his name's David. Uh, he's a pilot, a uh, corporate pilot. He's been doing that my whole life. Um, and in his spare time, he goes motorbiking, like on-off-road biking. He's currently living in Texas uh, for work for a couple years. And um, yeah, I, I think I get my sense of adventure from him. He's always doing something outdoorsy. In the recent years, it's been motorbiking. Um, but always like, yeah, wanting to explore new places and meet people. And and so I think I get that from him. But yeah. I, I'm the oldest and the only girl. And so I've always been a bit of a, you know, have been my a daddy's girl, I guess <laughs> we're pretty close, but, um, I'm close with both of my parents, but yeah, my dad's super fun. He's really goofy and, um, you know, has great dad jokes, but is also just a very like sincere person and, uh, really like looks at people like makes eye contact when he's talking with them is very like intentional about that um and always taught me a lot about um yeah honesty and just respecting other people yeah so he's a great guy
0: fantastic <laughs> so you're the oldest and uh you have a few brothers yes underneath you?
1: three younger brothers three younger
0: brothers well yeah. let's let's name them off
1: uh elliot connor and drew okay yeah they're All great right. i love them right <laughs> <Why laughs>
0: on so you're the big sis yeah okay big yeah. sis lauren yeah Fantastic. <laughs> You know, I think we're going to start to wind it down a little bit here. But, uh, you know, something that just popped into my mind was I was thinking about that first show that you played on Pender Island. And so Mm. if I'm remembering correctly, this was at the Hope Bay Bible Camp.
1: It was the show was at the hall. Okay, sorry. So
0: the show that you guys played at the Bible Camp. Yeah,
1: that was after that. Okay. Yeah, I think it was maybe the summer after something like that or early fall or something. Yeah, I think
0: it was in the spring or summertime that I saw that because I was at that show. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I remember uh, being there. And we just heard that there was a band coming through and we thought we'd <laughs> check it out. It was such a nice venue.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. I remember because um, we played like on the deck of the chapel building and uh, yeah, cool kind of stage area. And then looking, you know, everyone was kind of on the grass, kind of festival style. It was yeah. really cool. And then I just remember seeing all the trees um, like on the other side of Hooson Road and all the arbutus and the you know the sun was getting low and i'm just like playing music and looking out over all these people and the trees and i was like this is perfect it was just one of those moments that i will always remember that you know, playing music outside is always such a great experience but that moment was like this is really special
0: <laughs> yeah i remember you expressed that to the audience and that actually stuck with me oh, i remember cool. i remember the uh authenticity that came out in that mm. moment from you. And uh, it was like, yeah, she is really digging this right now <laughs> because this is amazing. My totally. goodness. How come this doesn't happen here more often? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, so maybe we'll just, uh, we'll just end off with one more question for you here. And the question is, is that uh, just the last word for you, anything else that you want to say to the people of Pender and uh, the current <laughs> times and beyond any uh, last words that you mm. want to pass along?
1: Last words. well, I don't know, it's yeah, you always want to make last words so meaningful, but no uh, pressure, yeah, too much pressure, no
0: we <laughs> no. you can ramble away till you find <laughs> the last words. It's totally fine. we I don't want to put you too on the spot, yeah here.
1: no it's it's cool. I think I mean, yeah, out of like I've learned so many things, especially since moving to Pender and just being in a community and and I think one thing that has just really stuck with me is just how much we like we need each other and we're just like. I think we're just made for community, like we're made to live with each other in families, but also like in friends and just like in the space where we're, we're sharing and we're in relationship with each other. And uh I don't know, the current like climate of the world seems like it's in a lot of ways getting away from that. And there's a lot of individualism and capitalism and the hustle and bustle and, and even just a lot of like racism and hate and, disrespect for each other. And and I think, you know, I try and remember, to, you know, it's always constantly trying to remind myself to to not just be open and inclusive, but to like take steps towards that. And that's something I've been challenging myself with lately is, you know, I think of myself as like a really open person. And, you know, I love hearing other people's perspectives on life and, and just meeting people of different walks of life, but actually being Actively taking steps to include people and to reach out to people and, you know, not just like standing by. Um, and to, yeah, actively love, I guess is something that has been challenging me. And so that would be, I guess, my final word and challenge to the people of the world listening to this is like, how can we like actively take part in building community and, you know, among our close friends, but outside of those circles as well and see what cool things and what cool connections happen with that.
0: Yeah, that's really great. You know, I just heard recently twice in the same week reference to the idea that uh, if you want to get love, then just give love.
1: Mm, That's And that's so simple, but yeah such a simple reminder
0: it's such an obvious equation right that if it's something that you're seeking in your life that it's very free and easy to give Mm -hmm. and that uh you'll be somebody that other people will want to be around and to reciprocate that and to just heighten the level of love that exists between totally you know yourself and other people and uh yeah
1: so simple and sometimes so difficult
0: <laughs> well it takes it takes vulnerability yeah to it
1: does yeah
0: do that but i I think that uh we live in a situation where that it's a very safe place mm-hmm. we live in and uh yeah just just taking some active steps to uh be the change we want to see in the world exactly. Yeah. Lauren, thank you so much. I'm so happy we got to do this. Yeah,
1: it's been a long time coming. For sure. I asked you about a year ago <laughs> yeah. and
0: uh, it's, uh, it's come together yes. now, but I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful that you came in and wanted to share stories yeah. from your life. And, and I, it, it happens every time I do one of these with people. I'm so blown away to hear more in depth about people's lives. And totally. I think you were able to express and articulate in such an amazing way. So thank you.
1: Thank you. It's been so much fun.
0: All right, well, I'd really like to thank Lauren for doing that interview. And to honor that interview, I decided to come down to Masthead Trail. So Masthead Trail is located on the North Island, and it starts at a road called Masthead Crescent. And it starts off kind of flat and then starts a steep descent down towards Shingle Bay. So the area alongside of the trail is covered with cedar, and a ton of maple trees, which I happen to be leaning up against one right now near the bottom of the trail after making my way down and looking at Shingle Bay and starting my way back up. So yeah, I'm just underneath this maple tree right now and looking around and admiring the amazing features that this trail has to provide. And for some reason, I just couldn't help shake the feeling that there was some sort of a connection with this place and Lauren and I was really eager to discover what that might be, and I'm still not clear, but I think it has something to do with the fact that there's a particular energy that exists here that resonates with Lauren's energy, and it might have something to do with the abundance of maple trees here. So once again, thank you to Lauren for doing that wonderful interview, and before I sign off, I'm going to let you guys know that I am working on a new project right now, and that is doing private recordings for people to preserve their life stories. So if you've ever wanted to record your story or you have someone in your life, a parent or a grandparent, and you'd like to have their stories recorded, this could be for you. What I'm able to provide through this service is a lot of pre-interview conversation to help hash out the kind of stories that you'd like to tell and Try to really work through the important aspects of your life that you'd like to have put down for future generations to hear. And once we've spent time working through that, then it'll be in-home recordings. So I will come to you and record in the comfort of your own home and do as many recordings as is necessary. These recordings can be an hour or two, five or ten, whatever you'd like. And then once the recordings are finished... I'd go into the editing room and work away at creating a crisp, clear, coherent, and very fluid final recording to make you sound your best. So, if this sounds of interest to you, then you can email me at at myaudiomemoiroutlook.com. So, I've included that email in the show notes. But to spell that out for you, that's M Y A U D I O M E M. O-I-R at outlook.com. So if you have any interest in that and you have more questions at all, please feel free to contact me and I can tell you more about it. But that's it for that. And that's it for this episode. So thank you to Tarmigan for helping to sponsor this. Thank you to Ben McConkie for providing the theme music for the show. Thank you to this maple tree for allowing me to lean against it while I'm recording this. And thank you for listening. Until next time.